Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. You're listening to the Fight Night podcast on TalkSport with me, Gareth and Ava Spencer, the Omen, Oliver, in the studio with me. We were joined first by welterweight Echo Esserman and what a story he had to tell us about growing up. Echo Esserman, the last time I saw you, sir, we were chatting at the weigh-ins in Manchester and I was telling you that I think you're so world-class in everything you do and you go out and... Was it an under-par performance against Harry Scarf, your first loss in 20 fights? Uh, it was a mix of maybe a few things. Like, my take on the fight, I feel like it could have been adjudicated better, um, definitely, because in between that, there was beautiful spurts of boxing. I, enjoy, I enjoyed the fight. There was beautiful spurts of boxing going both ways, and I think um, I could have got more into my rhythm had it been adjudicated better. But regardless of that, like, I've seen where where I could have boxed better. I've seen where um, my mindset changes needed to be changed and implementing them moving forward, you will see a very um, bloodthirsty echo estimate. It's very odd. I'm going to get Spencer in in a moment because he knows about these things. But you don't have the vibe of a man that lost... Last week, you don't. You don't seem to have. Your aura does not seem to have changed. You don't seem like a guy with a defeat on his record. I'm a cut above, a cut above. Built different, so I gotta operate differently. You know, look, I I totally understand it, and and you know, a lot of people read into stuff, and you go 17, 18, 19 and oh, and you're thinking, you know, you're British champion. You're thinking a loss can be so damaging, and a lot of people talking about oh, the career's over, etc. When you lose in a fight like that, and it was a close one, and, you know, it was one of those subjective scoring, mm. you know, what you liked, and like you say, the referee, Howard Foster, had a big part to play with that, breaking it up, because you're a guy that likes to sit in the pocket, fight, wear a man down, and that's where your engine takes over, that second half of the contest, 9, 10, 11, 12, penultimate rounds, that's when you get into a rhythm, and you couldn't get into that rhythm. For me, I thought that you lost it by a round, maybe two rounds, because of the, what is... What, what is your strengths is that, that you know taking over that second half the of the fight the engine yeah. and to me you just couldn't get into a rhythm it was like looking at guy going as an ex-fighter you're sitting there looking at going he's forcing it like sometimes it just happens doesn't matter that you get the training right ever sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't for is me it right? looked like he was just is it, is it, is it was forcing right? it there um I wouldn't say he's right, but I can see where he's coming from, definitely. And and, yeah. and I think that sometimes a loss, and this is where I want to go with it, a loss can be the making of a Alone. fighter. Is it right? Because yeah. and, and Gareth you, you win Na- and you lose, don't you? So, Absolutely. I mean, but Gareth, you win and you learn. So, you yeah. win and you learn. But Gareth nailed it there, that sometimes a loss can be very damaging to a fighter. Sometimes fighters don't get over that, and they're never mm. quite the same. But Gareth was right when you said the persona of you when you walked in and everything else, you go, you recognised it. it walked in like a champion. It, it was a close fight, and you go, sometimes that fuels a fight. Mm. You go back you go back to the drawing board. But that's where you learn. That's 
where you come back and it can be the making like you use David Hay when he lost to Cole Thompson yeah. use that as an example he went on to become an unbelievable fighter two weight world champion because of that loss and he learned from that and it and it pushed him on to go where it is you got the you you know you come in with that aura around you today Gareth was right he nailed it saying you know what you yeah you look like a champion and that's a good thing well, I, I've I've been saying to people that um, obviously follow me, they were disappointed and whatnot. I always told them um, the belts didn't make me a champion. I was a champion a long time before I got the belts, and I'm a champion in my own right still, and I'll be a champion again. Um, you're going to stay with us for the entire. Well, it's, it's four minutes to to eleven right now. It feels very late. Four minutes to eleven. You're going to stay with us for the next half an hour as well. We're going to get into your life. Yeah. Did you learn something? Just We've got to go to the news in, in a couple of minutes. Did you learn something? Because I want to get into your early life, growing up as a little boy in Africa, in Ghana. Um, well, I, I was actually born in Botswana. I grew in up, Botswana? Yeah, I yeah, didn't realise that. Yeah. I grew up in Botswana. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I've been through a lot of culture shock and culture changes, so I've learned... A lot about adapting, a lot about myself, a lot about just people in general. Always um, learned to always look at things from the outside view and then... A bigger perspective, yeah, a, a universal perspective. perspective. I think yeah. that comes across very strongly with you, you know? Mm. And I think cool. it's coming across tonight. Very yeah. cool customer. I wouldn't want to fight him. Back to work from the champion Echo Essiman. The first little flurry we've seen like that for quite some time. Going through the gears now, Echo Esselman, that's better, that's what has been needed here. And still, British, Commonwealth and IBF, European, welterweight champion, Echo, the engine, Esselman! You fought a couple of weekends ago, you're a very cool dude. Um, we want to know more about the fact... You, we know you can fight. We know you're hard as nails. But you grew up in Botswana, yeah. the child of Ghanaian parents. What on earth was going on there? Why did they move to <laughs> Botswana f in, in the first place? Um, they moved to Botswana because my dad had got a wonderful opportunity in um, being the head of a school of agriculture at a school. And my mum started a fashion and textiles business called right. Fashion House. Right. So she, why aren't you a, um, a brain surgeon or a barrister then? Oh, wow. Uh, my my family is full of um, academics. My mum went on after that fashion business to get a degree in international fashion marketing. My dad has a, a doctorate in education. My brother did microbiology. He now works in private pharma here in London. Um and myself, I have a degree in marketing, design, and comms. But um, obviously, I got that opportunity to go down a different path. It's fighting in your DNA and your addiction, then, that you can't avoid. Yeah, I'd I'd definitely say so. You know what? Um, when I grew up, I was actually a big, a, a really big child. Like at eight. What you grew up with? You kind of born with teeth and a beard. You mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I was, I was, I was quite weighty. Right, um, right. When I was eight, oh, you I, were large. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. large. When I was eight, I probably weighed. I probably when I make weight, I'm, I'm less than I weighed when I was eight. Like wow. I was, I was wow. a, That's I was a big child. So yeah. did that affect you then when you were a big child? Were you bullied? Were you mocked? Did something um, happen to you? Did yeah, you... to to some degree, I was I was mocked and um, not badly or anything, but just just your, your typical what African banter. <laughs> and. Um, during that time, I just really worked hard to lose the weight. I joined a swimming team, part of a swimming team at one of my schools. At the next school, I was playing for their rugby team, their cricket team, and then... Um, Is this in Botswana? This was in Botswana, yeah. So you had too easy a life. You were eating too much. Yeah. And then you got into sport. <laughs> I, was, I was eating too much, got a bit bullied, decided, you know what, I'm going to change this. Like, I'm, I'm more than this. So, um, what was Botswana like then? Oh, it's, it's such a beautiful country. That's the first thing I have to say. First and foremost, Botswana is a beautiful country. The people are great. There's so many different kind of cultures and people from different countries going there. Um, unfortunately for myself, because my, um, my granddad wasn't from there, I didn't really get to get a full citizenship. 
I had leave to remain, but I wasn't allowed to work. And so it was always kind of like a little countdown from the second I was born. Felt like a little, felt literally like a traveller, like, like a gypsy in the in the country. Yeah, yeah. an um, African gypsy. Yeah, African gypsy. Okay, it's um, all starting to make sense now. <laughs> um, yeah, so there was always a like ticking clock on when I'd have to leave the country because I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to settle there properly, and. Um, Ironically, my dad got a chance to do a doctorate at the University of Nottingham um, in education. Hence, that's why he talked like Carl Froch. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little bit more educated than Carl Froch. <laughs> He's got a degree he in sports a little science. He's yeah, got a degree in yeah, sports yeah, science. Yeah, but Carl Froch will go off on one. He goes, he'll go to another place. He won't I, I mind think, me saying that, by the way. But you're yeah. very educated. You sound very educated. Yeah, well, yeah. I try to try to educate myself. Life's a... A big journey about learning, isn't it? So you came here at eleven. Yeah. Was that, was that part of the journey as well? Was oh, that? Oh yeah. Were, were you were you like you are now then? When oh, you came no, and you no, no, no. I wasn't. I was I was more more in shape. I was still big. Still probably slightly. We, we, was there racism? Were you bullied when you came here? Was, um, tell me about coming here then. At 11. There was there was the culture shock of mm. obviously being brought up in Botswana <laughs> by a Ghanaian family and then. Learning that culture, mixing with so many cultures, and then coming over American twang in the way I spoke. Right. When when we was there, we learned like English, but it was more Americanized English and mm. whatnot. Um, so yeah, that that took a while to get over, and then just the um, just the way I talk. Sometimes I'll talk in riddles and metaphors, like African proverbs, and they might not be the same word into say the Western. Um, uh alternatives of those so sometimes people don't kind of catch a drift or they they'll be like why are you saying that so weird or whatever have you got one now that we might be able to hear that is kind of universal an uh, african proverb or not an african proverb um like say when people are always trying to goad you into different things there's a proverb that says um when you're going on a trip, you don't stop to chase every dog that barks at you. Uh-huh, okay. So like you pick you, your battles, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, like, well, I got gonna... that one straight yeah. away. Did you, Spencer? <laughs> sort of, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let's get into boxing then. So yeah. did you start fighting when you came here? Did you have to fight? Did you have to box? Or did what you age have to look did you start? Yourself? Oh, I started boxing late. Um, <laughs> um, came over to the UK, got into football, uh... As you do. Good at it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was decent. Started off as a goalie, but ended up being a central midfielder. So, no, I'm good at it. Um, however, I then moved into basketball. I really excelled at that. Um, I got to Midland level and um, England level, but then I wanted to play for Jesse Boots um, in Nottingham, uh, which is like the best team in Nottingham. Everyone played there. And I went for trials, and they basically told me, look, you're not ambidextrous enough and you're just not fit enough. And that, that really hit me because I, not that I had an ego about it, but it was just like, I will not be told no. So um, I went away. I took a year out of the basketball that I was doing and I thought, I'm going to work on my skills, work on myself, work on my fitness and come back. And one of my mates at the time, Craig Montgomery, who was in the army, he like he said to me, "Oh, Echo, like nothing's gonna get you fitter than than boxing. You have to give that a go." And and so <laughs> so that led led to my first day in the boxing gym. And let it be said, um, before even stepping into that boxing gym, I never once thought I'd become a boxer. I mean, my dad and I used to wake up at like say four in the morning, early three in the morning in Botswana to watch. Mike Tyson matches and get excited and then my dad would be like, oh, you can hit me a few times. I hit him and he'd be like, oh, that hurt, but you, you, as you do as a dad. Um, Which gym, can you remember the day when you first walked in there? Where was it? Yeah, How yeah. old were you? I was 16 years old. It was a Thursday. Um, their evening session, Ray Ricketts, head coach, welcomed me in. He didn't probably think too much of me because he was just like some any guy walking into the gym. Um, but a few weeks later, they started seeing my overhand rights and they was like, ooh, okay, there's something there. And, and how did you feel about being there in the gym? Did it kind of immediately kind of swarm you with this feeling of, oh, I really like this, this is for me? Yeah, it was like a electric kind of 
intense release of just everything energy emotion feelings everything was just it was just it just seemed right to me at the time and i didn't even it, it never really cottoned on at the time it was only until i probably had my first match where i think that's what you tell everyone like you have your first match and you either have the boxing bug or you don't but how long did you know before you knew you was going to be a boxer um I mean, because some people just know from that first day, yeah, bam. Like Anthony Joshua was like that when he come in the gym. You yeah. knew straight away that he knew that he wanted to box. I just wonder how long before you knew that was, what, was probably, that was the route you was going to take. By the fourth or fifth month of learning how to box, when I'd started learning that it wasn't just about two people hitting each other. There was like, it's like physical chess. And like I'm quite a cerebral person. So when when that kicked in, I was like, I'm quite enjoying this. This is this is good. Like it's, it's an art. It's an art. It's not. It's not. Some people think, yeah, it's just boxing. It's just a sport. You just do that. It's an art. There's so many ways to do the same thing in boxing. You can mm. put your own put your own jazz on it as well. Do you understand what you, you just mentioned, Spencer Oliver? There before we go to break. Do you understand then what Anthony Joshua is talking about a lot, which is that thing about wanting to get better as a boxer all the time, even though he's cho- achieved all the things he's achieved so far. Oh, yeah. Because that's what he talks to, that you're yeah. just talking he about. He started at 18 years of age. So that's yeah. why I say that. You're both late starters, so he feels like he's very much learning still and he's a yeah. two-time world heavyweight champion. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, you're always going to be learning in boxing because it's an art form, so there's so many ways to do different things. There's so many ways you could have done different things, even having won a match and whatnot. You could still think, oh, I could have won it that way or this way, or why didn't I do that? I trained this way, but I did that. Like, what, what's going on with that? And this, yeah, there's so much to it. Echo stayed with us for a third section, and we were joined by another welterweight, Paddy Donovan, fresh from victory in Dublin last weekend. Brilliant victory last weekend, Paddy, over Danny Ball. Um, fourth round stoppage, you had him down twice, the towel came in. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm all good. I spent great to be joined by you and Gareth again. Um, looking forward to this conversation. The last time I talked to you, we were getting ready for a big fight, and thank God it went to plan. Well, last time you spoke to us, I think you 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 didn't name them all, but you said there are about a hundred cousins in Limerick, and you talked about the extraordinary background that you are from, with the 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 kind of troubles there are there on the mm-hmm. streets. It was an extraordinary tale. Echo's just been Echo Essam has just been telling us about him growing up in, in Africa, the 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 children, the child of very educated parents, yet someone that fell in love with boxing. Tell us first of all what the atmosphere was like for you. You talked about it. You walked in with that kind of coruscating noise against your opponent uh, last weekend. What was it like? Yeah, it was an amazing feeling. Um, Danny Ball was a tough competitor in Ireland. It was going to be very, very hard for him to fight me. Definitely get the decision. You know, I prepared very well. I had some of the best sparring partners in the world for this camp. And I was just ready to go, guard. It was my time to shine, and I did that exactly the way I wanted to do it. Yeah, Paddy, you did do that, to be fair, because it was a step up in class. Danny Ball's a good fighter, and you went out there. It was a very educated performance, actually. You took your time. You was boxing really well. That left hand through the middle was the first knockdown, and it was sort of like the beginning of the end for Danny Ball. But, yeah, it was a massive step up for you, and one that you come through with flying colours. It, it, you must have been very proud of yourself. Yeah, Spence, you know, as I said, the, it's a big moment for me. It was a big moment for my family. Um, there was a lot of hype about me over in Ireland for the last couple of years. And it was my opportunity to deliver. And I had to do that in great fashion. And as I said, the expense, it went exactly the way I wanted it to go. I brought my opponent down and I got the knockout. So delighted with the performance. Echo, you're a student of the game. Did you watch Paddy's <clears throat> performance? Obviously, I'm going to try and match you up at some point <laughs> to fight each other at some point yeah. in this section. Did you see the performance? Yeah, yeah, it was a good performance. He's um really good and really fast-handed. And uh, he may he really executed a good boxing knowledge and box. He showed his boxing brain with how he landed the overhand right towards the end of the fight when Ball was Ball. moving to his right when he shouldn't have been. So yeah, credit to that. Well done on your fight. It was a great performance. Thank you, Echo. I appreciate it, man. 
So do you think you two are going to meet down the line? Echo's already ranked in, in the in the top, I think you're number four still with one of the sanctioning bodies, aren't with you? With the IBF. With yeah. the IBF. Um, Paddy spoke about his ambition to get to world level. He's, he's patient as well. Um, you th- can you see you guys meeting at some point, Paddy? Um, yeah, I, I'd love the opportunity to fight on my watch, Echo. I think he's a great fighter, a very, very skillful fighter. Um, he beat Danny Ball, so... Um, I kind of learned from him from there on. Um, Eddie Hearn is in Ireland. He's promised some big shows. There's talks about me having a big event in Liverpool City for my next fight. And if Echo's up for that, that could be a challenge. We could get it on. It's no problem. Um, as I said, I fully, fully respect him. I think he's a very, very decent fighter. But um, yeah, we're in this for the same thing as become a world champion. And I'll fight anybody to become that. I can see that I've got I've got the name of the event. It's Continents Collide already. Okay, all right, guys. <laughs> that sounds I'm, good. That sounds I'm, I'm good. Got say, I've got to say, I didn't know that Gareth had this talent. Right, he turned into a promoter in the last like minute or so. Gareth, you're doing a great job, mate. Well, listen, when these guys come in the studio, I mean, they're both handsome men. They're both great fighters. They're both up for it. That's what I love. I mean, you know, we've got Paddy saying, "Yep, yeah, I'm up for it. I'm doing it." Echo says, "I'll fight anybody." Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the amazing things, Paddy, we, we've had Echo in the studio for the last 45 minutes. He didn't walk. I, you'll have seen that he he lost on points to Harry Scarf. He did not walk into our Talksport Towers today with any vibe that he'd lost a fight, and I think that's important. And you'll attest to that as well, won't you? Yeah, of course. You know, fair play to him. Um, he's took his defeat like a man. You know, some people takes a f- defeat um, very, very badly. Some people bounce off it. And as you said, he came into the studio in great spirit. So that's a great sign. Um, it's a learning curve for him. And I'm sure he bounced back. Yeah, Paddy, Paddy, listen, I just want to quickly touch on this, mate. I know you're in Belfast at the moment, Jordan, Jordan yeah. Gill, Michael Conlin, and there's been a big upset there as well with um, Jordan Gill winning that one by seventh round KO. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I was actually commentating the after uh, after the bell, so we had to leave a bit early for the fight. So I just got a glimpse of it on the phone. Um, yeah, we heard a very big upset. Um, Michael lost again in very bad fashion. Mm. So damaging for Irish boxing. Um, Eddie was back in Belfast, bringing big time boxing back to Belfast. So it's obviously damages damaging for us all back here. Yeah, well, Echo, you you know Jordan, don't you? And then you said that you saw that you you predicted actually that Jordan would win that fight going into this one. Well, you and your trainer Jamie, who's, who's here yeah. as well, you both said actually that this is the fight that you fancied Gil to win. Yeah, because I mean he didn't have much pressure on him. You couldn't write him yeah. off at yeah, all, yeah, could you? No, you couldn't write him off. He's been in there. He's he's had those hard fights. He's he's turned fights around before. You can never write a man off that mm. way. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Yeah. 
Well, we had more studio guests to come joining myself and Spencer with Royston Barney Smith, Sugar Boy Royston, indeed 19 years old, super featherweight, under Ben Davison, telling us what it was like training with a guy who's preparing Anthony Joshua for his fight with Otto Valin in Saudi Arabia in just a couple of weeks' time. He's a super featherweight, but he has Hollywood looks. How about that? How <laughs> about that for an intro? Thank you. Well, you, you've just been your 8-0 uh, with four knockouts. Uh, your last fight against Michael Velasco. Um, your call last night, one TKO third round. You don't look like you've got a mark on you. Did he touch you or not? Um, I don't think so. I haven't had a chance to watch you back yet. But, uh, it was you didn't a good feel fight. anything at I the time for nine minutes time, anyway. No. You, are, you are a beautiful stylist in the mm -hmm. ring. Ben Davison, your, your trainer, waxes like more than lyrical about you. Like He almost doesn't want to blow smoke yet because he doesn't want to jinx anything. Tell us about where you're from, who you are, why you're into boxing, and I reckon it probably starts about age one. <laughs> yeah, nearly. Um, mm -mm. I started sort of boxing when I was uh, about six year old. I uh, started comp like competitively like going to the gym properly, sparring. Um, since I eight like like eight year old and uh I had my first fight at twelve and then it just went from there really. I started winning national championships, I started winning European titles and um and it just, just kept growing and growing and growing. I mean you you've always been one of those kids. I knew about you where obviously when you was boxing amateur and you, you won pretty much everything as an amateur and you've always been touted to be something really special as a pro. And you've made that transition as a pro as well. You see it Gareth's writing what he says, you're very stylistic, Southpaw, take your time, box with great Spiteful maturity. As well, though. Yeah, yeah, but box with great maturity, that's yeah. what I'm saying. For a kid, you know, as young as you are and has had um a fight, only eight fights on on your record. Do you get you, asked you, for your ID you, all the time? Every, every Did you get asked for your idea yeah. when you came in the building? Yeah. Did you get exactly. stopped in the car tonight? But <laughs> Nearly. What, <laughs> what I wanted to get, like, so, so what I wanted to get into was like the sparring that you do. Jordan Gill's just had a brilliant win there against Michael Conlin. You've been his main sparring partner for that. You're mixing in a very high high company, aren't you? Very high caliber. Mm. Do you feel that that's where you're learning most of the trade? Sure, because like the way he fought tonight is the way he spars. And if I'm competing with that, nearly every day in the gym working on things going over it with Ben Lee Wiley and also Barry Smith tonight is in the corner with uh, Jordan Gill yeah. Big Bazza as I call him Big Bazza yeah that's him yeah yeah no listen I, I mean what's it like working with Ben Davison who's you know he's he's Reputation has really grown as as a as a trainer, and I've known Ben for a long, long time. Even when he was boxing as an amateur, so I know where he's from. I know his pedigree, and as a trainer, he's a great student of the game. Do you feel that you're learning a lot from him and from the experience of being in and around those champions in the gym? Yeah, for sure. Because where I'm so young, I'm soaking everything in, like day in and and day out, watching Ben, watching what he says, trying nick a couple of things off other fighters, what maybe will work for me. So that's why it's good to be in the gym with these good champions and these good fighters and these and this elite level competition in the gym, even though we're not all the same weight, but we're still competing to be top dog in the gym. And that's why it's so good to be in that environment. Did you, was was boxing forced on you? And um, because it presumably it's in the family. Uh, Yes, I as say forced on you. Forced. I mean, w did you have any other choice than to be a boxer? Uh, not really. It was the only thing Tell I was extremely why. good Tell at. Tell us why and where you're from and how you grew up. Um, well, I was I was born in Paul. I come from Southampton originally. That's where I was, but like raised as as a kid. I went to school there and and all the rest of it. And, that's where uh, you get that burr from in your yeah, voice. That's where yeah, I get the burr. <laughs> it's a lovely burr. You know? But it's the traveller community, isn't it? That's what you lot do. Like you start. Yeah. That's you, what you I was trying to get else. to. I wanted you to talk. Oh about, yeah, yeah. Um, like boxing is the national sport of the traveller race, isn't it? That's what I wanted to get to with you. Yeah, for for, for like an instance of that is like. We're, we're very competitive people. We, we like to be the best at anything we do. And uh, fighting is in the blood, really. And we're extremely good at it. Like, you've got Tyson Fury at the minute. You've got Paddy Donovan. You've got myself. And you have so many countless others, like Dennis McCann, for, for example. Billy Joe Saunders. Don't Billy forget Joe Billy Saunders. Joe Saunders. Whatever you do, I'll be on the phone complaining. <laughs> I like Billy Joe. Like, I do take a lot from his style. Like, he's yes. a right-handed southpaw. Yeah, I'm a yeah, right-handed southpaw. Yeah. He's done it. He's done a lot with Ben Davidson. Um, 
Bruce Lee Davidson. was a converted Southpaw as yeah, well. Yeah, as well. And <laughs> <laughs> he was. Did, did Billy Joe and Tyson Fury ch- change that mould from the traveller community? As in, travellers never really done particularly well as professionals. They've done everything as amateurs. Then they go into, you know, work life because they've got families to support. Yeah. Fatherhood, etc. And, you know, a lot of them become tree surgeons, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. But, like... Did they change the mould there, like by winning world titles? And now there's so many good travellers coming through. Yeah, for sure, because they made like the path, they made the blueprint. So everyone just sort of saying, "Well, well, they did it, so why can't I?" Yes, yeah, so I don't have to go to work. So, so I, don't I don't have, have, have to, to go that. to work. Yeah. I don't we, we, have to do follow the, other the dream. Things. Yeah, I, I, I can do what what I'm born to do, and that's be on this big stage and and perform the way I do. Because every every day I wake up, I I believe deep down in my heart that I can become world champion. And did you grow up on a site and were you travelling around or were you a new age traveller, if you like? Uh, a bit of a new age one, to be honest with you. Like, um, There's nothing wrong with living on a site, there's nothing wrong with that, but I prefer bricks and water. I'm not going to lie, it's a bit warmer, a bit nicer, a bit comfy. But um, but that's the way I was brought up. But we all have the same morals, same respect for our elders and uh, and call everyone by name and if we ask please and thank you it's, it's, it's all the same we're, we're all the exact same really one of the things that I, I think you've just really kind of pointed towards that you've talked about is this pathway was created by travellers over the, and Andy Lee by the way oh, as and, well, and Andy yeah, which yeah. We, we've, we mustn't forget I mean what a brilliant coach and man he is um, the, 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 the thing that was always talked about and you touched on it there was the discipline of life you know, the, the discipline of staying in boxing outside it being something you do growing up. Sure, because it's it's, it's very easily to get taken off that path of of, of boxing because you, boxing's like when you come into the gym, mm. but it's also a part when you leave the gym because yeah. whatever you do outside of the gym affects what you do in the gym. Paddy was on with us just now before you came yeah, yeah, on, yeah. yeah, and Paddy was telling us a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks back when he was in the studio, he was in with one of his cousins and um, he's got like 100 cousins in Limerick yeah, yeah. and he was saying that maybe 25-30% of them have been involved in crime, been taken to the wrong areas, there's been stabbings in Limerick, the street violence is terrible and yet boxing he said, my dad took us to the gym to make sure that we never got involved in all of that. Was there ever a danger of you going the wrong way? Not really, like not speaking rude about anyone's family at all, yeah, but, yeah, but, but we was very brought up in a way where we were sort of taken away from that part. We're like, uh, so we, we sort of try and keep away from, from the other half. Mm. We tried to, to to better ourselves in in, in a sense. Did was you, it? did, um, did dad box? Did grandfather box? Have you got uncles that boxed? Is there a history of an ancestry of? I'm sure they had fair fights. Sure. But I just wondered if you've got any ancestry of bare knuckle boxers and things going back in the past. Are you an English traveller? Have you got Irish traveller? Uh, what have you got? No, I'm I'm an English gypsy to be honest. Yeah, with you. yeah. That that that's me. Like you get the Irish travellers. That's that's the difference b- between it. And um, the thing with me is is that I. I don't really have have a boxing family. Okay, like my, that's like my dad, like my dad didn't box young. He boxed as a senior. He, he had seven senior fights, knocked out six. But that's only because <laughs> because <laughs> he was. Do you know every fight? Has he told you about every um, one? Or I, I, like I was there. Were you there? I, I, I was there. That's why he boxed. Your brother late Noah his is here as well yeah. tonight. Did he see them all as well? Uh, no, he wasn't born then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you a question, uh, Rajan? What is it with the travellers? So, is it is there a different community between the travellers that you know live on the sites and the travellers that live in houses or whatever? Is it is there any difference between that? Or is it is it all still the same community? It's uh all well basically like like the thing with that. S- some people like. The other way better. Some people like bricks and water, like yeah. myself. But, but it's traditional but it's, in excites, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's more tr- like traditional, like sh- chalets and caravans and, and all the rest of it. But I personally, myself, like I like a house. That's what that's what we. But live that's in. just choice. It's that's just choice. One, one, one of the funniest yeah. stories, Royston, is is um. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders, after he's doing quite well in his career, obviously Billy lives on a site, he's into horses and all these, you know, he's a fantastic character. He bought a four or five bedroom house. Do you know this story? Uh, no, he, he, he bought me, a four no. or five bedroom house yeah. in Hertfordshire 
to go and stay away from the family for his training camps. Yeah. But he just couldn't stand living in the house. It's by me. He lives near me. Yeah, he does. He couldn't stand being in the house. He couldn't settle there. He couldn't sleep. So he had to go back, go to, back the to the site to sleep <laughs> properly. And I just think it's... I don't mean this literally, but it's horses for courses. Well, it's what you grow up with. That's why yeah. I asked what the difference is. Will it, is it just still, still the same community, or is it different when you live in a house and on the sites? But, but that's you know what I do? Yeah, yeah, like, 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 like I get what, what you mean. Yeah. It's uh, just really interesting. No, it's, it's just personal like, reference, reference, really. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's all it is. So let's talk about you and your ambition, okay? You, you, you've... You've got great fire behind you. You've got an amazing trainer. You're in you're in camp, and I'll ask you about this very quickly. You're in camp with Anthony Joshua at the moment. You yeah. sparred with him yet? Uh, no, he's, he's a bit big. There's weight division for a reason. And, yeah, but and I mean, you know, there. a little bit of... If you were in with Tyson Fury in his camp, I'm sure you'd do a little bit of sparring with him. Um, you're talking about body sparring. Body sparring, body body sparring, sparring yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no... Not really, because where is so close to his fight now, he's not looking really f- for any distractions. Like, yeah. I, like I sit down, I watch him train, I'll have a chat with him while he's training. But I like to sit and like watch what he's doing, so Tell I can, us about so I can him. take what away. What are you seeing? He's he's a lot. He he's become a, a lot different fighter from the stage where it's like he was when he come until now. Like not a lot in his style has changed. It's just his mentality Good. and the and the way he is. And we both felt that Ben would be fantastic yeah. for him. Yeah, like, it's all about the the mindset and the psychological side, and that's where Ben will play a good part in that. And I think that's where Anthony Joshua will really progress with Ben as well. Yeah, for for, for sure, because because Bennett is a good coach. Like me as being a young fighter, and then you got Lee Wood as being a bit of an older fighter. He come on a bit bit later in his career, and he's flying now. Even though we're so much different apart, Ben can still get us on peak and where we both need to be. Ben is a very good coach and he's very good at his job and that's why I believe a lot of great fighters are, are coming to Ben and, and and being a part of his team. But now maybe he does get through with a solid body shot and the more of those he lands, the more Martinez will be inclined to keep his elbows and maybe his arms just that little bit lower to protect himself. Clearly a talent, he's a good fighter, you know a good fighter when you see one and this kid. Has a lot of ability. And successful on his professional debut, Royston Barney Smith, aka Sugarboy Roy. You're listening to Fight Night on Talksport with me, Gareth A. Davis, Spencer the Omen Oliver alongside me, and Sugarboy Roy. Sugarboy Royston, we should be sh- we should saying. Barney Smith is here with us in the studio up until midnight. Um, look, uh, you t- were speaking to us before the break about being in the gym with Anthony Joshua latterly at the moment because he's been training with Ben Davis, I think probably for about three weeks, something like that. It's, it's, it's a little bit more than that. It's about... F- about six weeks altogether now. And you were saying that that you feel that Ben's good for his mindset. What are the things that you're learning from Ben about mindset? Uh, it's, it's more staying on track. Forget about all the stuff what can bring you down or or might distract you because it's, it's all right for short term, but long term it's, it's no good at all. Like, um, you could have a bit of fun, but yet you've got to think about the next three days. How is that going to help you progress in what you want to be doing in your generation paddy donovan talked to us about suicide watch um tyson fury talks about mental health issues at your age as you crick in that's his knuckles being cricked by the way um he's, he's, he's itching he's just itching to fight i'm going to escort you to your car at the end to make sure you don't get in trouble on the way home 19 year old uh, royston you're a 19 year old your generation talks very openly about mental health. Ryan Garcia, who's fighting tonight, has talked about yep. anxiety levels. Can you be someone that embraces that stuff as well? You don't seem to have mental health issues as far uh, as I can see. Do you have anxieties? No, none of that at all, but I know people who's got it. Yeah. So, like, I try and support them the best way I can. Like, I help them. It's, it's not something you can be ashamed of. Do you get them to the gym? Uh, yeah, it does help. Training, being fit, or, or even literally just going for some long walks just to clear your head mm. can just help you mellow on things and realise, actually, it's not too bad. 
I can get through this. We, I mean, we had Paddy Donovan actually in the studio a few weeks ago, and he talked. He was very strong on this actually, talking about mental health issues. Now it does go even in the traveller community because the traveller community normally, you know, they're up front and they're very confident and very loud and very brash. But he said, you know, it is a big problem and it does go on. So you know, that's why he wanted to talk about it and getting, getting, you know, that's why he wanted to come on here talking about suicide, etc. Because it does play a big part of our lives these days. Yeah, you know, it affects a lot of people. Yeah, for, for sure, because you can let something like a like a grain of sand like manifest mm-hmm. inside of you. You can just keep tick, ticking about it, ticking, ticking, sure. ticking. It can become a rock, can't and it? And then it grows, mm-hmm. and yeah. then you're yeah. like, wow, what's this weight all on top of me of, mm. of, of, of all of a sudden? And it feels like you can't chuck it away. It's like stuck to you. So that's the way people explain it to me. Transparency, yeah. being open. So just being open, yeah, speak to your it. dad, your mum, your mm. best mate, anyone about it. Or even someone sat at a bus stop just saying, mate, can I have so, a chat Sometimes with you? easier. Because yeah. you're not scared of how they're going to So take, if you see Royston Barney Smith at a bus stop <laughs> in the next couple of weeks, he's happy <laughs> to talk to you. Do you know what? Gareth touched on it there. You're a 19-year-old kid, yeah? And you're talking about weight on his shoulders, pressure on his shoulders. There's a lot expected from you mm. because, you know, there's a lot of talk about where you're going to go and how you're going to do it. Do you feel those pressures? I mean, look, let's look at, like, you've had eight fights, yeah? You've boxed yeah. on the undercard of Joe Joyce versus L.A. Zhang. You've boxed on the undercard of Tyson Fury versus Derek Chisora. You've been there. It's like they're... They're, they're developing you, preparing you for all those big nights. Do you feel that pressure at a young age? Yeah, for sure. Like, I wouldn't be human if, if I said, no, I don't feel no pressure. But pressure do make diamonds, and that's why they are putting me on these big shows, seeing how I cope with it, with half-decent opponents, seeing what way I carry on, see how I take myself into the ring and fight. So let's sit back and dream for a moment. You're 19... In six or seven years' time, where are you going to be? Where have you? Where are you going to have fought? You fought at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on the undercard of Tyson Fury. Where will you have fought by then? What will you hold? Who will you have beaten? Hopefully, I get multiple world titles at that stage. M- multiple weights, like lightweight, super lightweight. Hopefully, that's what I grow into. Like I'm already a, a super. V- featherweight at the minute and I'm massive for the weight mm-hmm. so hopefully I can long tall l- long term yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and and uh also just just trying to push myself the best way I can be like you touched on it yourself there mm. when you said I boxed in Tottenham also yeah. boxed in Wembley once as well yeah. in in the arena yeah. and also the at football the stadium. stadium so like uh, I have boxed probably in the biggest uh, like arenas around the world so the dream is to not box on them, no, headline. but top, head, top them, exactly. headline them. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, listen, every boxer has, has big dreams and big aspirations about where they want to go or whatever. But you've got the talent to be able to do something. There's something about you that is like you remember it. You, people get invested in you, and I think that's important. Where, where, just, just let me ask you, um, when you look at boxers now, um, who looks like the best to you around and about your weight divisions? When when you look at fighters out there, who are you emulating to a certain extent? And how do you see yourself going in the next two years? The next two years is a very key part of, of my career because it's either I get there or I don't because, we're, like, 2024, I'm going to start getting a few titles. I'm going to start taking a few people's O's. I don't know who it may be yet, but every when the time months, comes... Every yeah. two months... You, what would exactly. your roadmap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six, six to six to four times a year. Sure, that's what Frank Warren does do for so me. So twenty fights by the end of twenty twenty six. Then sure, twenty twenty five. I'll you... be, I'll be like tw- hopefully twenty eight and oh. So your yeah. roadmap for the next twenty four months is to become a world champion, basically. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I want to be Britain's youngest ever world champion in like this current era. So that's like Prince Nazim. He was yeah. twenty two and a bit, I think. So that's Careful with Moses Itelma, though. Very close, but <laughs> Moses is a bit younger than me. Um, we both joined a, the England. Oh, well, I was on England first. I won a European title before he did mm-hmm. in such. <laughs> and um, so, so you want to keep that run going? Yeah, yeah? I want to keep that run, <laughs> that run going. I want to be the first to do everything as possible. But mm. best of luck to him. I'm good mates with him. But that's that competition that you're talking about. Exactly. That, you know, that, you know, success breeds success. And when you're in those teams and you have got that, that's what brings out the best in you. And like you, you, you know, you're talking about Moses there, who's highly talented. Gareth Swighton, he says, you know, super, super talented. And I believe that he'll super go on star, and win yeah. world titles. 100%. But that helps you push on, doesn't it? And like, yeah, yeah, kick on a bit. Final one because we've only got a minute before we have to go to the news yep. um, and it's been brilliant seeing you tonight 
Two questions. Who's the guy out there that you see as the best at the moment, pound for pound? And does Tyson Fury beat Alexander Usyk on February the 17th? Yes, he does. Tyson Fury does beat him. Not on the fact that he's, he's solely a, tra- a traveller, but the fact of he has got all the skills to beat him and he is the bigger man and a better fighter. And pound for pound at the minute, I have to rate Shakur Stevenson. It, just because, Spot on. Just because of the way he presents himself outside the ring and inside the ring. And he has got the skills to pay the bills. He may be a guy you meet in the ring as well. Yeah, is it? Is he someone you'd like to fight? Yeah, for sure. I want to fight all 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 the top fighters like Devin Haney, um, Shakur Stevenson, Tank. All all them great fighters. That's that's where my name needs to be stamped beside theirs, or preferably on top of theirs. That's that like that's my aim, and that's what I want to do. Well, there was big news this week, of course, with Conor Ben and the Boxing Board of Control. That story rumbling on. We heard Robert Smith earlier in the week telling us that the licence would not be forthcoming for Conor Ben. We discussed that in detail. Spencer feels very strongly about the subject. Take a listen to this. Male Sport reported that Ben would be fighting Chris Eubank. Robert Smith appeared on Talk Sport this week uh, saying that the board feels that any athlete... Let's listen to him. Let's hear what he had to say. The board feel any athlete, not just a boxer, but any athlete who um, has failed a drug test needs to go through an investigation and that with the proper authorities, and that hasn't happened. And we're waiting for that to happen. And the Boxing Board and UCAD have been pushing for that to happen right from the beginning of this. Um, and unfortunately, it's been delayed, not through the Boxing Board of Control or UCAD, but through other parties. With regard to Mr. Ben boxing this country, we have had an application for him to box in this country that has been refused. We have an application for him to box in this country that has been refused. Spencer Oliver, you've been very vocal about this, as I have, for the last, I don't know, 12 months, 14 months. Mm-hmm. Where are we now? Are we any further on? Has he cleared his name, as, as Eddie Hearn is claiming, as Conor Ben is claiming? Has he cleared his name to the extent that he should be getting a licence from the Boxing Board of Control to fight uh, Chris Eubank Jr. in February? Unfortunately, he hasn't cleared his name just now. Um, you know, he's still got to go through that process. You know, there's been a lot of talk and, you know, we've had scientists involved and there's been a lot of talk of Connor proving his innocence, but the Boxing Board of Control still haven't received that. And so, you know, I think that they've done the right thing here, the Boxing Board of Control. They've had to take a stance on this. And I know that Connor Ben and his team feel that there's an agenda against him. But I just think, with it being so high profile and, you know, with that situation, the way that it is, Connor Ben has to clear his name or, if he can't clear his name, he has to take the punishment before he can move on with his career. Of course, we all want to see Conor Ben in the ring. He's great for boxing. You know, he's great for British boxing. Of course, that big character, you know, and, and a really likeable guy. But the facts are the facts. He's failed two tests. They've still not been proven. So the Boxing Board of Control are doing the right thing because I think they would fall into that category of Boxing Board of no control had they had they let this, um, you know, had they let this go. And I think that that's where we're at right now. And I know Eddie Hearn's been saying, well, this fight will continue. They'll be talking about doing it on a different licence or whatnot. But the Boxing Board of Control, you know, I think they will put their foot down on that and just say, listen, anyone that's involved in t- taking part of this, if it goes on in British soil under a foreign licence, anyone taking part will be punished maybe by the Boxing Board of Control. So people have got to be very careful in what happens here and and moving on. Let's be clear about what has happened and hasn't happened then. Um, He's won his case almost uh, with the um, sporting resolutions or the arbitration court over jurisdiction, which is... um, that UCAD didn't take the test, UK anti-doping. He yeah. was he was uh, found to have clomiphene in his system from a WBC test, yep. and the WBC is a sanctioning is not a sanctioning from body. From Avada testing, it, it's a belt yeah. body um, from Avada test, and he's also been. Uh, summonsed, if you like, with clomiphene in his system from a voluntary anti-doping test that wasn't to do with um, with the UCAD testing either. They've won that side of it. The Boxing Board of Control need to be stringent on any fighter in the future saying, no, no, 
I didn't test positive with you, with your UCAD, UK anti-doping test, but I tested positive with someone else. That doesn't count mm -hmm. being wrong. That yep. has to be wrong. They have to have jurisdiction over that. I think the board are doing the right thing, following that all the way through to its completion. I agree. All the way into court, if it has to be. The second part of it is, we mentioned Dr. Human, um, who I met in Poland, by the way, when uh, Daniel Dubois and Alexander Rusik were fighting, and he told me there was categoric evidence. He told me on the night, in, in a face-to-face -face conversation, that there was evidence he had that Conor Ben um, had tested positive through consumption of food products, yep. not through the consumption of a pharmaceutical drug. If they've got that evidence... And they've also got the evidence from the World Boxing Council who said that there are there is there is previous with people taking eggs and having clomiphene in their system. Then why aren't we having that part heard? My view is that they are worried about the strict liability and him, him having a minimum two-year ban. Yeah, listen, I think that, look, Gareth, if... You know, it's gone so far. Connor's always pleaded his innocence. And if that's the only way that they can, he can prove his innocence, present the evidence. And, you know, forget the strict liability stuff. Present mm. the evidence because it's going to clear your name moving forward. It's been 18 months now anyway. The problem gonna, for Connor Ben. Yeah, but it's, it's going to clear his name, Gareth. But what I'm saying is the problem for him moving forward is he is always now going to play the villain as opposed, I, I to, as opposed to the good guy. If he's got the evidence to clear his name, clear his name. Absolutely. And then he can turn around to anyone who ever says anything about him beyond any shadow of a doubt no I've actually proven that I am innocent and he may well be innocent yeah. that's the point so just go and do it because at the moment his story is emblematic of not just him it's not just about him it's a bigger story than Conor Ben and that's what's happened and, and honestly the the in in my time in boxing over 30 years I've never known a case so clomp, co complex mm -hmm. so obfuscated so such a lack of transparency in it that it, that in the end that the movement just doesn't make sense there yeah. are so many anomalies along do, the way do you think Gareth, no transparency Gareth, do you think, though, that that is because of the way that he's been dealt with? I think that it's yes, been dealt absolutely. with... It's been dealt with appallingly. It's moved right from, from pillar the to post to yeah. pillar to post so, the entire so time. So it makes him look more and more guilty all the time. And until you prove well, your innocence... evasive rather than guilty. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. So evasive, What maybe. I'm saying is that, that there is two proven, at separate times, two proven um, tests that, that he has not passed. They're proven. That's there. It's in black and white. That's facts. So you have to change it, Connor. The only way you can change is by presenting this evidence and if you don't want to present the evidence because of strict liability then in my in my views you're stupid because you're young enough to be able to redeem yourself get on with your career and win back the public perception of you which right now yeah. is in the mud yeah, well, I think what will happen with this fight, I think it'll be stretched beyond... I think it'll go to March now. I cannot see it going ahead in February, unless it's a foreign commission, uh, which which has happened before. David Hay and, and Derek Chisora had the Luxembourg yeah, Commission they, back in 2012. Yeah. It, it causes problems. It's called an unlicensed bout. Thanks to all our guests this week, and my thanks to Spencer for joining me in the studio. We're on the road next week. We're in Bournemouth. Saturday night is as usual here at TalkSport Towers. Bournemouth Sunday for Chris Billum-Smith's Cruiserweight WBO World Title Defence against Mateus Masternak. We'll be there. Don't miss it. Join us. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Listen to our midweek shows. You've been listening to the Fight Night Podcast with me, Gareth A. Davis. We'll see you next time.